I want to thank Research Consultants International for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there, or you meet them at a trade show, or even have a conference call so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion in projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about research consultants. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic development organizations. Call them now. They can help you create real prospects. Welcome to this week's episode of the Next Move Group, We Are Jobs podcast. This is Chad Chancellor, co-founder of Next Move Group. Today, we've got Jeff Finkel with us. Jeff's the president and CEO of IEDC. So, obviously, nearly everybody in the profession knows you, Jeff. So, I really appreciate it. I'm honored you come on our show. Well, thank you for having me. It's uh, certainly an interesting time that we're in, and I, I appreciate being invited. I first want to compliment IEDC. So we're a member and we get the newsletters and all that you're doing. And you all are really pushing out great information to economic developers. I I think you're doing it the right amount of time. Some newsletter list I'm on, I'm getting too much information, but I think you've got the right cadence and pace down. And you had some webinars that I've been told by a lot of people who watched them were very, very helpful. So uh, why don't we start with you talking about all the things that IEDC is doing right now to try to get information out to the economic development professionals? Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take you on a quick history lesson first, if that's okay. IEDC uh, started working in the area of economic recovery after disaster when Katrina hit New Orleans, the Gulf South, Mississippi. And we didn't do a lot before then. And now that's kind of a secondary important issue for IEDC. We get some money from the federal government and we support communities with technical assistance after disasters. So when this COVID-19 or coronavirus, whatever you want to refer to it as, uh, hit, we know many of the steps that communities need to think about. So we did two things immediately. The first thing is we took an existing website that we've been maintaining post-Katrina called RestoreYourEconomy.org. We packed it with information on how communities are responding to the coronavirus or COVID-19. We then started rolling out a series of webinars. These webinars, I've never seen the number of people that have participated. Before a month ago, the most we've ever had at a webinar was 400. Our first one had almost 1,400 people. The second one had almost 800 people. The third one had almost 1,400 people again. And and they're gonna continue. This coming Monday, uh, we're having one on tech tools that you might need to use immediately. A week from Monday, we're gonna have 
a webinar on how to use the CDBG, both for economic development purposes, for all, but also for rebuilding your local community. The week after that, we're going to have a webinar on what are some of our international partners doing? Two or three people from Canada, somebody from Mexico, hopefully somebody from Europe who will be talking about what are they doing in their communities. And the week after that, for our public-private partnerships and our chambers of commerce, it's going to be how do you stop the bleeding if some of your private sector funders, your public sector funders are thinking about pulling out? What do you do at this particular point in time? So on top of that, we've had a webinar on what was in the CARES Act, and we will have another webinar, not in the Monday series, but also free on what do you have to do as a community before you can go racing, reopening your town? We can't just all race back to work as if nothing happened. We'll just get everybody sick again. We'll overcrowd our hospitals. There needs to be some clear thought process by communities, our states, our federal government on how we successfully reopen our economy. That's what we've got coming up. And for IEDC members, if they can't watch one, can they log into their normal account on IEDC online and watch a recorded version of it? There, or do you have to watch it live? No, you do not have to watch it live. Since these are all free, we're giving them free to everybody. It's not members only. You just go to restoreyoureconomy.org and they're all being cataloged there. We're doing this not just for members. I mean, this is a national crisis. And there are people that we would acknowledge that are not members. We wish they were. Our members are certainly helping to pay for this series because there are staff that are working on it. But we think it's so important that everybody needs to share in the knowledge. Well, as you know, I'm based in New Orleans, and I remember what you all did for the whole Gulf South after Katrina. As a matter of fact, we're doing an executive search right now in Louisiana, and we had a gentleman apply from California. And my first question was, you know, why would you want to move to Louisiana? And he said, I actually spent time down there through the IEDC program where economic developers came in that would help communities try to come up with new plans and strategies. I believe it was through IEDC. That, that sounds right. He had spent time in Louisiana and fell in love with it, and, and he wanted to come back. So it was just literally this week, I was talking to somebody who remembered it through those times. So I appreciate what y'all did back then and, and what you're doing now. Once we get kind of resettled back in our offices, we're still working on the hurricanes that hit Puerto Rico and Florida and the Virgin Islands and, and North Carolina, the tsunami that hit the uh, Northern Marianas Islands, the volcano that hit Hawaii, and the hurricane that hit Texas. And we're working in all of those places still and sending volunteers out. We haven't figured out a way to do it virtually yet, but we're not sending anybody to those places today. As the world starts to uh, get sane again, if that's a fair thing to say, we will be sending volunteers out in those places. What is your advice to economic developers in the short term? So right now, if you had to give some tips, some advice, some counsel, what do you think economic developers should be doing? So the first thing I, I would say is there is a lot of information on this website, restoreyoureconomy.org. If I forget a step or two, they just need to go to that website and it will lay out almost in a systematic way how to go about thinking about rebuilding your economy. 
Let me go through some things that I think people ought to be thinking about now. The first one is taking care of yourself and your staff. Is everybody safe? Are people in a position that they can return to work at some point? Do you need to be helping them thinking about safe housing, about where they're locating? Is anybody sick? And what do you need to do about supporting your staff? Second, you need to think about how do you support your local businesses? You know, we, in one of our webinars, we had somebody said, one of my small businesses cannot seem to get a bank to take them on under this payroll protection program, the PPP. And I said, well, you're the economic developer. I wasn't trying to be crass or, but you're the economic developer. Obviously you have a banking relationship, maybe many banking relationships that you can talk to a banker and get them to uh, help push their application through. So getting the word out on what tools are out there is, is very important at this particular point in time. Third, and maybe first, and maybe last, and maybe in every position, is communicate, communicate, communicate. People need to know where they turn for resources. They need to know that you're still there to help. You may be there virtually and not able to walk into their office, or they may not be able to walk into your office. And then the next step is going to be plan for the future. You know, frankly, our communities will reopen at some point, but we're going to be reopening differently. A number of our retailers will be badly hurt. A number of our restaurateurs will be badly hurt. Some of them, you know, our downtowns will maybe not have had a, a many customers for 20, 30, 40, 50 days. You're not going to be able to just turn it on immediately. And as, as you and I were talking a minute ago, we need to be able to, uh, when we do reopen, we need to be reopening safely. Because the last thing we need is for us to encourage people to come downtown, encourage people to go to the shopping mall, and then all of a sudden have a new outbreak of coronavirus, fill our hospitals again, and all of us having to stay home again. So we need to make sure that we have the ability to do lots of testing, figure out who had the virus before. They should be able to hopefully be able to go darn near anywhere, figure out who hasn't had it and how you protect them over the long haul because whatever vaccine is coming is a ways off. So we've gonna, we're still gonna have to be terribly careful. Do you think economic developers ought to get involved in any the lobbying of legislation with care, you know, there's already talk of another CARES Act and, you know, putting more money in and maybe that the 501c6s should be included or, so do you think there's any role in that regard that economic developers play? Absolutely. We put out actually a list last night. I don't know if you saw it as a member of things that we were recommending economic developers do right now. For people that are not members, if they go into my, one of my LinkedIn postings, I posted that this morning so that the whole world can see what we're recommending. So a number of the things that we recommended are, are one, for the public-private partnerships and the Chambers of Commerce who are 501c6s, they were excluded from using the Payroll Protection Program, the PPP, that has been set up for SBA. You know, I'm, I'm not sure that was terribly fair. I think I understand why they did it. 
They didn't want a bunch of lobbying organizations using that money to lobby against uh, members of Congress. I'm not also not sure they thought it terribly through when they decided who could and who could not put their hands on the PPP. Second, many economic development organizations, particularly the ones with private sector funding, but even some of the public sector funding, because of the lacks of tax revenue coming in in some places, we need to get economic development organizations back up and running fairly quickly. Another billion dollars to the Economic Development Administration distributed to non-traditional grantees, public-private partnerships, public agencies where they would otherwise have to lay off people. You know, we need those uh, economic development organizations at real strength right now. And getting them some EDA funding could be real helpful right now. Some other things that we uh, said in our, you know, kind of our proposal where we asked economic developers to weigh in, I guess I'm somewhat of a nationalist and believe that we should try to reshore certain types of businesses. And the businesses that we obviously need reshored for the future is all of these medical device manufacturers, these you know, protective companies that are making masks and stuff. It makes no sense that we have to send jet planes to China to bring back equipment and uh, protective gear for our healthcare workers. We need to bring those types of businesses back. If we have to pay a little bit more for a mask in the future, who cares? We should have enough ability to produce that stuff here that what if China had a greater level of health concern? They would have kept it all for themselves and not given it to us. In addition, Puerto Rico used to be the home of the pharmaceutical industry. There was a special provision of the tax code, and many, if not most, of the pills that were consumed in North America were made in Puerto Rico. Let's bring those back, too. We don't need to send planes to other Asian countries because we don't have any pills being made here. Trust me, there's still some pharmaceuticals made in North America, but let's make sure key pharmaceuticals or most of the pharmaceuticals and their key ingredients are also made here. And then the last thing we said is we need our members uh, lobbying Congress to make sure that we have good testing capabilities in all the states and all the communities so that we, when we do go back to work, we can figure out where the hotspots are, quarantine people, and get back to a good public health system that protects us. Thank you, Jeff. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners, and we'll be right back with a lot more with Jeff Finkel after this. I want to thank Location One. Some folks know it as Lois for sponsoring today's podcast. Location One has, in my opinion, the best buildings and sites database in the economic development industry. And now that coronavirus is hidden and everything's been disrupted, I've been thinking a lot about if I were an economic developer still, what would I do during this time? And I know without question. I would transition to Lois and get my buildings and sites as updated as I possibly could so that when we come out of this economic downturn, we're ready to go. Let me tell you why I like Lois. Uh, It is the most responsive, mobile-friendly buildings and sites database I have found. It's easy to use. It's just as easy to use on an iPad or iPhone as it is a computer. 
I was browsing around last week uh, on a, a state economic development building and site database, and the thing, it just wouldn't work. It wouldn't work properly. You had to be an engineer to figure it out. It was too much. It had this circle you could draw to look at buildings. The circle wouldn't work. When I backed out, it forgot what square footage I was looking for. None of that happens with Lois. This is the best buildings and sites database I have found. I've looked far and wide. It is the most easy to use from a site selection standpoint on any platform. I'm told it's just as easy to use for economic developers, that it really walks you through inserting your information and putting it in so that prospects can use it. So I really encourage you, take a look at location1.com. Use this time while we're down to update your buildings and sites. Transition them to location one. You'll be really happy you did. Well, Jeff, I couldn't agree with you more on the on the reshoring of the basic goods and pharmaceuticals. And uh, our listeners know I had a rant on a show about a week ago. I grew up in a small southern Mississippi rural town, as rural as you could get. No interstate, nothing. And when I grew up, we had two plants. We had a blanket factory and a glove factory. And, you know, that's what they were called. Everybody called it the blanket factory and the glove factory. My grandmother worked at the glove factory. My father worked at the blanket factory. And both of those closed in the 90s and all the jobs left. And, uh, and I was watching Governor Cuomo the other day. So I, I was raised rural and now I live in, in downtown New Orleans. So I, I love urban America and I love big cities, but I was raised rural. So I, there's no divide in me. I, I get both sides of it. And I was watching Governor Cuomo basically plead for New York to, you know, to get these gowns and all. It just hit me. I said, my goodness, that's what we used to make in rural America. I mean, and, you know, in, in this situation, if those plants were still open, rural America could be providing the supplies to urban America. It just hit me. I didn't need a scientist to tell it to me because my little town had two garment plants and a lot of little towns did. And, and most of all that went overseas. So I'm, I'm really proud to hear that, that you think we need to reshore some of it. Most people seem to feel that way, that we do need to reshore some of that stuff. The Department of Defense finds itself in a position that they have to argue for things to be manufactured here in the United States. They don't want to go into a war. We don't need that in a healthcare crisis like this either. I'm hoping that many members of Congress come back with that opinion. And because there's the win-win here is, let's get ourselves some more manufacturing jobs and let's protect ourselves for the future. Absolutely. Well, have you all thought about how IADC is going to handle the certification programs? I know in the past you've had to sit for your final exams. How have you all brainstormed how you're going to handle that? So far, we've only had to cancel one test. And that test is at the conference that we were going to have in Calgary, Alberta in late June. The next test after that is supposed to be in Dallas in October. And you know, we may not be completely 100% back to normal by October, but I hope we're in a lot better shape than we are today. We may have to have the test takers six feet apart, but other than that, I'm hoping that we will have a test in Dallas in October. Can we go to an online test in the future? And, and can we do oral interviews uh, using Zoom? Maybe. You know, frankly, the decisions we've had to make so far, and, and like everybody, we've all been making decisions as we've had to. You're in St. Louis because you had to. So we've, we've canceled two conferences, but we did move all of our training courses 
to virtual. Courses that had never been online before are all being taught virtually in some fashion. I'm going to be helping to teach the Managing Economic Development course April 23rd and 24th or 24th and 25th, I forget which, and we're going to be teaching a Zoom class. So we're learning a ton as we go through this, and I think it will impact on how we deliver things in the future. We just haven't gotten there with the certification exam yet. Well, Jeff, as we wind down, do you see any long-term changes? And that may be an unfair question since we're still in the middle of the crisis right now, but do you think there'll be any long-term changes to how an economic developer goes about their business? Maybe there'll be more projects if some things are reassured. What do you see for a long-term, you know, say a year from now on, are there going to be any changes we need to think about? Yes, I, I think there'll be a number of changes. Let's take what Tony Fauci said within the last two or three days. He says, we got to stop shaking hands. He says that's a bad habit. It spreads germs. You know, our approach to how we do business may have to change. Should we get on a plane every time we need to go somewhere? Are those petri dishes waiting to happen? You know, will we get some reshoring efforts out of this as a result of needing to bring some jobs back to the U.S.? I think all of us have gotten much better using Zoom and some of these other methods of meeting people. Will we do more of that? I, I will tell you, I, I've been in my house since March 17th, and I don't want to be a whiner, but I do look forward to the time when I can have lunch with somebody again. I also don't want to go have lunch with somebody and get sick in the process, uh, not because of them, but because of our waiter or you know, somebody I'll talk to on the way to lunch. I think we all need to be a little skittish, and, and that will impact the way we do business. Well, as we wind down, folks, we want to give you again, RestoreYourEconomy.org is the website that IEDC has with all the coronavirus advice and webinars and situation, RestoreYourEconomy.org. Jeff, is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience? That is not an advertising platform for IEDC. IEDC's kind of main website is iedconline.org. That's where we advertise all of our conferences, our webinars, our training courses, our book sales, our job mart to help everybody's approach to restoring their economy. Absolutely, restoreyoureconomy.org. But we hope all of your listeners are members. And if they're not, Come to iedconline.org, join us, and if you can't afford us this year, when your budget gets better, join us. And along that line, let's do end on a happy note rather than <laughs> rather than all doom and gloom, because we do have we have quite a number of young professionals who listen to our podcast. So give them the quick IEDC pitch: how many members you have and why they ought to consider joining IEDC. Well, we have about 5,200 members. We do have a young professionals group within IEDC. We are the largest membership organization in the world. You know, it is a great way of improving people's credentials. It's a great way of networking with their peers or potential employers within the profession. I would like to think that if you are a serious practitioner this is the place you have to be engaged in, both to prove your mettle, so to speak, but also uh, to improve your strength as a practitioner. All right, folks, that's Jeff Finkel. Jeff, thank you for being with us today. 
Thank you very much for having me. And my sign off lately has been stay safe. Thank you. Stay safe. If you want to join our movement, which is to create economic growth for small to mid-sized companies, communities, and nonprofit organizations, please go to our website at thenextmovegroup.com, browse around, and you can see the different services we offer, all designed to create that economic growth for the small to mid-sized companies, communities, and nonprofit organizations. Most of our leads and growth has come from word-of-mouth referrals. So even if you don't need a service, we want you to know what we do. So when friends and contacts of yours might need something, you know what we do and you can refer us. So again, go to thenextmovegroup.com to learn more about the Next Move Group.